0: This podcast was brought to you by Spartan Sports. The Running Game. This is the Running Game, a rugby podcast that covers the sport from the ground up. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co host, Matthew Dunning. How are you? I had a great week. Tim, how about yourself? Yeah, you're good. It's it's good to have so much sport about. We're in the middle of uh, the winter, and that's when it's all on. We've got a great show on the way today. Of course, we have former Wallaby captain Ben Mowen. It's a remarkable story. He's only a Wallaby for about a year, but he he captained, of course, the Australian team. And Ben Gregory, the president of the New South Wales Junior rugby and of course the state championships are on this weekend. And just by the way Timmy as
1: you know the Eastwood Rugby Lunch on the 16th July at Dockside Cockle Bay Wharf, Sydney should be a cracking day. You're there, I'm there. Former Wallabies from Eastwood, Ben Robinson, Matt Burke Ben Alexander, Brett Papworth, Andy Marinos, the the CEO of Australian Rugby Union will be there and the great comedian Jim Owen will be there. Should be a great, great day. Uh, All the money goes to the Kids Cancer Project or part of the money, who knows. If you want to buy tickets, get on the Eastwood Rugby website, eastwoodrugby.com.au.
0: Now, Maddie, we've heard a few of the war stories. I love them. I just, I know we're going to keep rolling them out as time goes by. Who was that player that was just a massive knob? Yeah, look, I,
1: I can't go past Backy's. Both of us for mine, me and Backy's had a oh, okay. love hate relationship. I loved to hate him. He probably didn't even realise I hated him so much. But to be fair to Backy's, I had, a, I generally had a bit of a problem in my life with police, taxi drivers, and second rowers. So he <laughs> fell into at least one of those categories, and. Um, the thing I did, like second rowers who were bullies, I just, I couldn't cop. Backies was just that bloke who cheap shot the little guy and was just, yeah, great player, don't get me wrong. But he was just, he had that part of his game of uh, the, of grubbing him that I just didn't like. Yeah, very religious after the game, but on the field, gee, he, 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 he uh, was very different. And I remember we played one test in... Um, in or was it Pretoria? I can't even remember these days. But I, it was, it was, it was up that way, and we we're playing a test anyway. I'm, I'm packing it tight head prop, and I would only just started playing tight head then. Then, so I was a, uh, you know, under immense pressure, and it was a great game. And we're, we're playing away, and I, you know, I'm in the scrum, and this, 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 the scrum starts to break up, and I feel this, you know, I get clocked right between the eyes with an uppercut from Backies, and it was a good shot. Don't get me wrong, and I looked at him. And I said, righto. I said, righto. And he laughed and giggled. When I when I lose my mind, I just, I, I lose all consequence. So I, don't, I, I sort of lose, lose the plot a bit. So, you know, a couple of rucks later, back he's at the bottom of a ruck and he's quite, he's pinned. His arms are by his side. So I come in and just uh, <laughs> lay the, uh, you know, the size, ten and a half, uh, right shoelaces straight in the, into his skull. Pretty hard. It was, it was a good kick, you know. Not as good as a drop goal, but it was very close. And anyway, um, I said, right, I, I hung around. Everyone ran away. I said, this is it. You know, I'm, we're going to be in a full fisty cuff fight here with a great backies both. I'm, I'm probably going to get cleaned up, but who cares? I'd lost all care at this stage. So he got up and he got up and he had a bit of blood dripping out of his head. And he looked at me and I thought we are ready to go. And he goes, we're going to sight you, you fat prick. We're going to sight you. <laughs> and I said, the Great both oh, oh. Botha, the great hard man of international rugby, and he's going to sight me. So I didn't get that big blue, which I was probably lucky to, because Becky's you seen the size of him. He would have he punched holes through me. But that was the guy that I didn't like. And um, apparently he's a great guy. I've heard from other people who've played Barbarians game. He's a fantastic guy and a great fella. But... um up until recently, I was still having, was still fantasizing about walking down the street and seeing him and, and getting him to stand up, blue in the in Pitt Street with him. But um, hmm. it wouldn't be it wouldn't be in my favour with him being six foot eight and one hundred and thirty kilos, and uh, oh, yeah. me being
0: me, me being a lot smaller. Well, you won the day that day. I tell you what, um, you you played for the Wallabies. I played for uh, um, Guildford and Patrician Brothers, Fairfield, Sea Grade, and Commonwealth Cup. So that's about the the, the the disparity of our sporting ability. One thing where we do have some common ground. I've also been called a fat prick on many occasions. (laughs) Coming up on The Running Game, former Wallabies captain, Ben Moen. All right, it is time on The Running Game to have a chat with former Wallaby captain, Ben Moen. How are you, Ben? Yeah, great.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey, Ben, thanks for coming on the show, mate. A uh, long time. Mate, um, how
1: it, has how's it been back in Australia last year and uh, playing back at club Rugby where it all started? How, how did
2: you enjoy that year? Oh, look, Tucky, I absolutely loved it. It was such a great way to finish off uh, a playing career and um, I thoroughly recommend to anyone out there who's finishing up in um, professional sport to go back to their club land and enjoy one year of of Uh, amateur culture and and enjoy blending back in it's um it was certainly a great year being involved with East we had uh, a lot of success as a club off the field but just in terms of reconnecting back into the community um getting to experience where rugby's at back up to in Australia it was just a great um mechanism for that and I I thoroughly enjoyed it
0: what's your insight on that Ben uh, about uh, club rugby particularly in Brisbane
2: Oh look, it's it's stronger than ever. Um, it's the absolute heartbeat of, of rugby in Australia for for my for my thoughts. It's um, you know obviously things can be the scales can be tipped each way at the top level, and and we're going to have moments where things are going great and things are a little bit more challenging. But um, rugby just seems to to pump along there, and um, you know a lot of the supporters there they. They're rusted on uh, rugby supporters, so they show up every week. They've got their spot. that They stand down by the uh, the tin sheds. They have their, their couple of beers, mm. enjoy walking the kids down, the dog down to local park to watch the footy. And, um, you know, there's some really um, passionate people involved in clubland, obviously, but they, they're there each week to support their team. And um, there's times where potentially the Australian team's not going so well, and that's... That's okay for them. Um, you know, that that doesn't sit well, but that's okay. But if their club side's really battling, yeah. then the dog gets a kick. <laughs> it, means, it means a lot more to them how their club's going. So, um, you know, I think if we can tap in that into that passion at the top level, uh, that's certainly present in club land, we're going to be doing really well.
1: Yeah, Ben, a lot of people know, don't know, but I tried to do it. you did. I came back and went and played for Belmay and only lasted two games at 130 kilos. The thing I, could, the, the thing I couldn't cop was the sledging and the, and the other players getting into you. How, how did you find that? Was there a lot of that? Because I imagine coming back from being Wallaby captain, playing in France, coming back club football, I don't know how it would be for you, but I imagine the opposition wouldn't have been too kind.
2: Yeah, look, it was challenging, um, but that was good because I still still had a bit of the competitive juices going. But you're you're right; you're the yardstick for the young fella coming through. And uh, each Saturday rolls around, and he's told his mates he's going to try and square you, and you know, watch me, I'll put on a show. So you you certainly get um, targeted a lot more. But I think that's the. That's the brilliance of being in that position, too. I remember when I was coming through and um, I got to play against some experienced Reds guys as they came back into club land, and all you wanted to do was measure yourself against that. Uh, and off, often you came up short, um, but it was just a great yardstick. And um, I was happy to play the other end of that. Uh, I don't know how many blokes I actually shortened up, I think I got shortened up more than I was shortened. <laughs> <but laughs> It was, um, no, it was good fun. And certainly, anytime there's that sort of banter and the guys are, are trying to get after you, it's sort of, it makes sure that you're, you're heads on and you're in the game, that's for sure.
0: I would think that lots of those players, and you're probably too modest to say it, but would look at you as inspiration because uh, I, I love the, the resilience edge of your career because uh, you, you've you you made some very conscious decisions to leave the Reds, to leave the Waratahs, to go to the Brumbies. And, and, and your debut came at international level at 28 and you captained your country. You just never gave up the work ethic. And that, that has to be there, doesn't it, Ben? Otherwise, you're not going to get any success in this game.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think... It it doesn't matter what level you achieve, if you're content at that level that you've absolutely given your best, um, I think that sits well with you. And certainly I was someone who that was my sole motivation as I was going through my career was when I'd hit a roadblock, was I going to be content that that was the level I was at or could I improve more? And I always felt I could improve more if I put myself in more uncomfortable positions. And I was really fortunate to A, to get a start at the Reds in the first place and then to to go through the program there and then I, I there wasn't necessarily a future um, mapped out there there was other guys that were rated higher and that was fair enough at that that stage certainly um, and then really fortunate to get another opportunity down at the Waratahs and I got to mix it in the back row of uh, that was pretty much four Wallabies um, back rowers sitting in front of me in terms of Rocky Elsom David Lyons uh, Phil War and Cliffy Parlou. and I got to rub shoulders with those guys and try and measure myself there and I think that really took my game to another level and then um your path takes a different jag again and you and i end up with the brumbies and once again that was a lot of personal growth for myself so i feel really fortunate that sometimes the road ends and it's not by your choice and you've got to make that decision you know am i going to push through that or am i going to accept it and and i had to answer that that question a few times and um that was what sort of was beating inside of me is can i get better can i get better if i can let's make some hard choices and keep moving forward
1: yeah, Benny, I say this all due respect, probably at 26, you know, people weren't touting you to be a future Wallaby captain. So to come from there and be captain, what was that like? And what do you think you, could add, you added to that, that Wallaby captaincy, being someone who probably wasn't seen, to, wasn't seen or touted to be that? Because a lot of Wallaby captains are touted to be since they're seven years old or 11 year olds like we know. So I'm really interested to see how that was for
2: you. Yeah, look, Tucky, um, I don't think my career was a traditional one in terms of reaching um, the captaincy at all. Um, but I think what I bring to the position um, as a 28-year-old was that I'd been the guy on the team that had missed the squad. I'd been the guy on the team that's, that it was 23rd man. I'd been the guy on the team that sat on the bench. I'd been the guy that had got two minutes to the end. I'd been through all those positions injured, out. So it made me really relatable. Um so, when I was in there, I could actually make sure that when we were talking about messaging um, different parts of the group, I actually knew what it was part to, what, what it was like to be in that position, so I could really connect with those guys and so I think I wouldn't have had those experiences had I just rocketed through and, and been um, had success the whole time and not had setbacks and and experienced all those different positions. And uh, if I'd I'd received the role earlier in my career, I don't think I would have been the same sort of person either and certainly not as well-rounded in terms of my understanding of what's important for a team and um, how how different everyone's needs are and and how you've got to actually relate to that before you even worry about winning a game. Uh, The winning becomes a lot easier once you get everyone moving in the one direction and to move everyone in one direction, you've got to have a lot of understanding. So I think that was probably my strength in the end.
0: Yeah, I thought it was amazing how you you virtually grabbed your career by the scruff of the neck and took it where you wanted to take it uh, with that, you know, the intersection of inspiration and perspiration and all that other stuff that goes with it. What was was France like? Uh, uh, You spent a few years there?
2: Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Um, like it was a tough decision to go, but also the right decision for me. Um, and it's, a, as much as I agonised over the initial decision, uh, it's, it validated it every time, every, every moment since. And um, I certainly don't look back with any regrets that I missed out on anything. Uh, but it was a, it was a really cool experience. I, I remember. Uh, we arrived in France and I think like any time you've, you've been moved around the world, it's a, it's a bit of a whirlwind, but we were slowly finding our feet and um, it was my first game and I, I'd met all the Kiwi guys and met all the surfing guys and settled in with them and I was getting to trying to establish myself with the French guys with the limited French that I had and um, – I remember I was in the dressing room for the first game and Mm. I didn't really know what to expect. It was a French dressing room and they seemed really disconnected before the game Uh, leading in. I I thought, geez, these guys aren't really interested in today. Uh, And it was a home game and I'd heard how much the passion there was in home games and this and that, and I couldn't really see it, feel it. And it got closer to the game and all of a sudden we are in the sheds and I just felt this shift of momentum, this emotion. Guys started really getting themselves up for the game um and i thought overhyped i couldn't believe it the amount of energy they were putting in to the dressing shed i thought "Geez, they're not going to be able to hold on here and um i got a true french experience from uh one of the boys uh, tom donnelly went in, into the toilets the new zealand lock and uh he'd been called in there from nicholas mass the french tight head who was our tight head of Montpellier. and he said come tom i need to tell you something and tom went around there and he came around with a blood nose and i was like Mate, what the hell happened to you? And he goes, Don't go in there. Nick master's is headbutting oh, everyone. Wow. That was his way of making sure you're up for the game. He, he took you around the corner. He asked if you were ready, and then he just dropped his head into your snorkel
1: that, that sounds more like an Australian Mid Monday. We don't do that before games. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a different <laughs> culture, that's for sure.
1: Mate, great to have you on, Ben. And we'd love to get you back on, mate. It's great to hear you. And uh, and thank you so much, Beyond. You've had a great career, and
0: I love what you're doing to give back to the game. And um, yeah, mate, we'll definitely get you on again.
2: Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
0: Coming up on the running game, of course, it is the state championships in New South Wales. Eastwood versus Warringah, Manly versus Penrith. It's all on. We've got their president, Ben Gregory, with us. Well, huge weekend this weekend for New South Wales rugby. All the junior teams are getting together for the state championships, and it's great to have the president of the New South Wales juniors join the show. Ben Gregory, how are
3: you? I'm fine. Thanks for having
0: me. Great to have you on, Ben. And as uh, Tim said, this is a massive weekend
1: for, for kids. You know, it was one of the greatest weekends I had. I played for Eastwood uh, State Championships week- weekends from 13s to 17s. And it was sort of your first touch of Rhett rugby. And it's just awesome, mate. How, how, how are things looking for the, for the, for the weekend? And uh, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, look, it's it's been a, a bit mad, really. Um, we, with missing 2020 due to COVID, uh, it seems like that everyone has come back with a lot of pent-up energy and excitement um, we've got, we're going to have a, a record, uh, turnout in number of teams that we've ever had. So it's going to be a huge weekend. We've got six really big venues across the state in, uh, varying from under 12s all the way to under 18s in the boys and in the girls game, we've got the under 14s, 16s and 18s all going, um, which is going to be all at one venue at Hunters Hill. So that's going to be a, a massive un- undertaking on its own.
0: Yeah, I know we're spending the weekend at Camden, which I'm really looking forward to, with the Eastwood under-12s. And the thing that I really like about it, Ben, is I I know that kids get the opportunity through school football and representation to go to these days and they all try out. But it's really, like, it's not easy to do it on days like that. Never has been. This is such a better way for young sports people, young rugby people, to ply their trade inside teams, in rep teams. Um, with those wonderful historic badges
3: on their chest? Yeah, look, it's, it's, um, it's got a lot of history. In fact, uh, uh, I spent a bit of time over, over the Christmas break going back through the archives and just updating our website to put all the historic results on one place because uh, they tend to get lost when you change over committee after committee. And, and so we wanted to put them all in one space. So we've got results going back to 1958, Oh, yeah. um, which is just outstanding to, to know that the the history of what we're doing goes that far back. Uh, and look, clubs have a clubs have a a slight advantage over the schools, and the schools' windows are generally very tight. Um, and the clubs get to play a full season; they get to plan out their programs. Um, you know, our rep stuff. We have a tens and elevens gala, which is going to be in the first weekend of July. Which we've joined together in 2019. I think we had something like 5,000 people in the one precinct at Tugra, um, which is just an enormous number of people. I think we had 52 teams there on, on that weekend. Mm. And like the 10s and 11s, that's just about, that's the taste that, uh, that Tim was talking about before. It's that that first taste of representative stuff. And then you get to sort of your 13s uh, where you, and 12s and 13s where you actually play for a state championship and you play for a bit of silverware. And yeah, things are things get a little bit a little bit ramped up, but uh, but there's no there's no there's no uh, representative teams after that. The state champs for your 12s and 13s is the pinnacle, um, and then when you get to 14s, that's when they start picking Sydney teams and country teams and having that sort of rep pathway that just grows organically as we move up the ages. And so I suppose for, for for a club rugby side, uh, we have we we do have some certain advantages of what we can and we can't do.
1: Yeah, Ben, you touched on it. That that pathway system is is what I loved about rugby, and that's what got me. In, you know, it's it's a great the great thing about the the weekend and how you, kids who can, can you know even kids who maybe not make that next level they have that ability to aspire to. It. You know, they start at their club, they go to their rep, they go to their zone in some some age groups, or they go straight to Sydney, then New South Wales, and all the way through. Uh, how important is that to the program
3: and the weekend, and how do you see kids how helping kids develop? Oh look, I think I think it really has a twofold effect—the uh, state championship because there, there are teams there that, that that rock up and they they don't they don't expect that they're going to make the finals or win the thing, but they're going there for the for the whole experience of what it is. And like Tim's going out to Camden, he said Camden was is a wonderful venue. It's like a, an old shearing shed is their clubhouse. They've got a post and rail fence around the field. It's just got that great rural feel about it. And that was the first state championships I went to, you know, well, well over a decade ago now with my kids. And I just I I was encapsulated, I loved it straight away. The, the just the the whole atmosphere and, and you don't have to necessarily be in a team that's going to win it to actually get a really good rugby experience out of it. And because there are there are there are playoffs for minor places your last game of the entire championship is always a game against a team that is roughly about the same level that you are so you, you walk away with a pretty happy feeling and so that that's sort of that covers your 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 rugby um representative feel for the guys that aren't necessarily as aspirational but then you move as you move up the grades there is that ability for those kids who who really want to get out there and test themselves against the best of the best, where they, they boil in the 14s, they might make a city country game or in the 16s, they, they have the opportunity to get through to a New South Wales team uh, or in the 18s where it, it, it does become for sheep stations. You know, there are, I think this year we're picking something like six New South Wales teams to play across various different formats over club and school um, pathways all the way to get to the Australian schools and under 18s team. Um, which, which I think is one of the the biggest improvements we've seen in the last yeah you know, three to four years in in junior rugby. Completely is the fact that it's all inclusive now. If you play club rugby, you play school rugby. All pathways lead to that Australian team at the under eighteen level, and it, mm. it's not just dominated by one over the other.
0: Yeah, and which is a great thing. And and the other thing is Ben, and I'm sure that the history and the results will probably tell us all this if we if we scratched around at them, uh, is that. Everyone develops at a different level, don't they? When you think about, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-olds. I played rugby league, never played rugby union, but I, I still remember those that blossomed late or came. So there's always a way, isn't there? So it, And it, this is a great way to track how players improve. So your superstar at 12 may not be your superstar at 15.
3: Oh, very, very much so. Um, and there's, there's, there's plenty of uh, evidence over the years to, to suggest that uh, – the guy that was the, the the superstar at twelve might might have been just because he was he grew a bit earlier he happened to be a bit bigger but once everyone gets to the sort of same size um certain kids have uh, have more skill level and it doesn't really matter about the the you know the size the size of the uh, the dog in the fight it's the fight and the dog as they say mm. but it, look it's it's um. It's great to see some of the superstars we see we see come through. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago we saw your Joseph Sawali's, you know, winning a state championship out at Orange in the under-14s, wearing the Eastwood jersey. Um, and there are plenty of other names that we've seen coming through the years. Um, you know, your Angus Bells, who's, you know, in the Waratahs and the Wallabies now. I remember when he went through playing his, um, his junior rugby in a, in a North jersey.
1: So Ben, these these weekends, like it's a massive logistical effort. Like it, I imagine with things at the moment with COVID, you can be under resources. How, how do you make multiple of venues, multiple of days? How do you make this weekend come together so it all runs smoothly? Like it, it's a massive task.
3: Look, it is a massive task, and we're 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 very lucky to have a number of good people who've been doing this for a very long time. Um, like New South Wales Juniors is a, is a volunteer um, committee. We're not none of us are on payroll, so we're all doing this. Uh, for the, for the love of the game, um, and I don't think any of us who uh, sort of sit on the actual uh, committee, I think one of us might have still kids playing in the juniors. Everyone else has sort of uh, just been uh, stuck here uh, doing it for the love of the game. Not There's no sort of uh, family agenda or that sort of thing. So we, we rely very heavily on our host clubs. So we have um, seven very, very uh, wonderful venues around the state that are going to host our championships this year. And those clubs, we we take the championships to them. There's a couple of councils that will um, that support us to take the games to the bush, particularly Dubbo, Orange, and Bathurst councils this year. Um, I'd like to give them all a wrap because they've been very good in helping us take the game out to the bush. Um, And we want these clubs who host us. You know, this is their opportunity to make some money for their clubs so they can put plough that money back into their their resources of their. um, of their, their clubhouses or their grounds or whatever they need so we, we they use it as an opportunity for fundraising and at the same time we're providing a, a magnificent service to to the junior rugby community by putting on these events
0: yeah congratulations ben to you and all your people and and in the in commentary in and around the school system i i'm far from critical of it i think they do a fantastic job but as you say it is it, it they Work on a lot tighter schedules, so they need to do it quite differently. This is this is an opportunity for for teams to come together over weeks and weeks, and and build and build. And if they stay together over years and years, uh, they they most importantly make friendships for the rest of their life. We will see you out, no doubt, out and about at Camden, and um, we look forward to having you on the running game again. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much for the opportunity. That's it for the running game this week. We'll be with you every week with more rugby chat and great interviews. Follow us on your favourite podcast app. Thank you today, of course, to Ben Mowen and to Ben Gregory. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Spartan Sports, and equally wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. See you next week, Matty. See you, Timmy. Looking forward to it. How good was today?